Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about tonight, including Wayne's got a report from the United Kingdom that is probably going to be a little bit frightening to anybody who's a parent. And uh, it's pretty disturbing to me, even though I'm not a parent. 800-259-9231 is our number. Also, not that I'm a political name dropper or anything like that, but this story interests me because it's it shows that there there maybe is a chance on this whole war on drugs issue. Of course, one of my pet issues is ending the insane war on drugs. And yes... I do mean the entire war on drugs, not just the war on marijuana, which is what most of the war on drugs is, but but the entire thing. And the fact that Bob Barr, a one-time drug warrior, one of the worst, most zealous drug warriors in Washington, D.C., in fact, the Libertarian Party of Georgia and the National Libertarian Party got together in an effort to oust Bob Barr from, from uh, I think he was a representative a house he was in the US house for a long time and he was ousted in 2002 and the libertarian party had taken a lot of credit for that because they'd focused some advertising dollars in there to hit him on the on the drug war issue uh and just to show how how he just has a total lack of compassion or had a total lack of compassion for for instance medicinal marijuana users that sort of thing and sure enough he lost that particular election um, they don't take full credit for it because there were other organizations working to oust him as well. But nonetheless, the, the guy was a major proponent of the war on drugs as of five years ago. And now, according to ABC News, he's flip-flopped. ABC News's Brian Wolf reports, It goes without saying that the former Georgia congressman and Bill Clinton inquisitor Bob Barr has undergone something of a reawakening since he was redistricted out of his House seat in 2002 and lost the Republican primary in another district that same year. For starters, he's become an outspoken critic of the Bush administration, especially when it comes to the Patriot Act. He told uh, Rolling Stone that Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez should resign in the wake of the firing of U.S. attorneys being investigated by the Democrats on Capitol Hill. He agreed to introduce Al Gore at a speech. Then Bob Barr left the Republican Party in 2006. Now he's a libertarian. Hmm. And one of the top links on his website is to the ACLU. In fact, Bob Barr is a member of the Libertarian Party's National Committee. And I remember that when he was, I guess, I don't know how you get on the LNC, you get elected or something, or nominated. Anyway, when he got onto the National Committee, there was much murmuring amongst the libertarian community. Bob Barr. Bob Barr's on the LNC. He's a plant. Well, he's, well, we, we thought he was a drug warrior, and we thought, how could, how could you possibly have a drug warrior on the Libertarian Party's National Committee. It was just, to, to people like me, who've sort of distanced themselves to an extent from the Libertarian Party, it was just more evidence that the Libertarian Party has completely lost uh, <laughs> sight of its principles and is just spiraling down the drain. But, as it turns out, and I remember we, uh, when we were at the Liberty Forum of, about a month ago, mm-hmm. the Marijuana Policy Project's Rob Campia, the executive uh, of that particular organization, was speaking, and Bob Barr came up. I guess, I guess he mentioned Bob Barr. Somebody asked a question about Bob Barr, and, and he said that there was hope for Bob Barr. And as it turns out, there, there is. Uh, this is the last straw in a whole series of uh, 
essentially unfortunate events that have raised serious questions about the lack of leadership of the Department of Justice and there being too cozy a relationship between an attorney general and the president, Bob Barr told the Rolling, uh, told Rolling Stone of Gonzales this month. This was the man who wrote a book about leading the charge in the impeachment of Bill Clinton in the late 1990s. The definition of is was published in 2004. But now the circle is complete. Barr's office confirms that he has signed on as a lobbyist with the Marijuana Policy Project. Hmm. Hooray. A group that aims to legalize marijuana, especially for medicinal uses. The man himself is not currently doing any interviews on this latest development, perhaps because the irony is too sweet. Besides the impeachment, Barr is well known for the Barr Amendment, by which Republicans in Congress blocked attempts by the District of Columbia government to legalize the use of medical marijuana as part of the D.C. Appropriations Bill in 1999. To illustrate the evolution, it was the ACLU now linked on his website that helped lead the fight against the Barr Amendment. There was some indications late in his congressional career that Barr was uncomfortable with the Bush administration and the Republican Party. For instance, he was the one who insisted that the Patriot Act, when it was passed in 2002, include a four-year sunset clause, which, of course, Congress um, ignored. But Well, they didn't ignore it. They voted it back in. Good news. They ignored his suggestion, I guess. Oh, I see. Um, or maybe they, they did put that in there. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Bob Barr now sort of switching sides, flipping over, and I think it's good news. I think not just is, is it, uh, in, it's not just good news on an individual basis in that Bob Barr has come this far and, and joined the good side, but there maybe is a chance for those people out there that appear to be just zealous drug, uh, drug warriors, the, the ones that you just can't seem to get through to when you have conversations with them. The ones that you think are completely hopeless cases, maybe there is a chance. Maybe they could turn around too. I mean, if Bob Barr can do it, any drug warrior can turn around. So I'd I'd think it'd be very interesting. And I know he's he's not doing interviews on this, but I think it'd be very interesting to have uh, Bob Barr maybe come on the show and sort of talk about his uh, evolution from drug warrior to somebody who's a lobbyist now for the Marijuana Policy Project. It's a very strange turn of events. We've certainly had uh, we've certainly had our share of cops on the show. We've had Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. We've had Barry Cooper, a uh, former, uh, former narcotics officer down in Texas. And we've had them sort of explain to us their progression from going from drug warrior to somebody who supports ending prohibition. But I think it'd be different for uh, somebody who's had a career in politics. And I just wonder what, uh, you know, that somebody like that would have to say. Your thoughts, if you got them at 800-259-9231, that's 1-800-259-9231. But this could be a, a harbinger of good things to come, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I, I understand also that he was working to unplug a, a youth anti-drug campaign, which a recent study showed actually increased the likelihood that all teens would smoke pot. He was working to unplug it. Yes. Right. He thought there it was a, a waste of money. It was an money. anti-drug program for, for youth that was actually increasing the likelihood that they would uh, do drugs. And they've shown, um, they've shown quite a few of these programs just are, have the opposite effect. Yeah, kids laugh at them. I mean, they know they've got friends that smoke marijuana, and they know their friends are okay, and so it's just absurd it, to them. You know, I mean, and if you doubt that, if that seems strange to you that that might be the case um, – you're basically advertising drugs. You're advertising marijuana when you have these um, commercials on. Now, of course, you're saying don't do them, but imagine for a second if on MTV they said um, they put on a commercial that said, "Kids, don't drink drink liquid Drano." 
Don't do it. Liquid Drano is bad. It'll ruin your stomach. It'll kill you. Whatever, whatever it says, whatever mm-hmm. they say. And, and as a matter of fact, forget the uh, ruining the stomach and it'll kill you. Don't give those facts. Give a bunch of weird facts that um, that that you can't uh, that you can't pin down. Stuff that uh, you know that sounds unlikely. Like it'll make you grow breasts. Right. Your, your brain will fry <laughs> like an egg. You know, just yeah. a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. And then see if the incidences of drinking Drano go up because I guarantee they will. They might. They very well. They will. I mean, are you telling me that if you they put a commercial on MTV that says "Don't drink Drano," that the incidences of drinking Drano won't go up? I don't know. It's Drano. <laughs> it, no, it's not cool. It doesn't have that forbidden fruit effect. It'll be cool once you put it on MTV. Okay, okay. I was going to say a lot of psychologists uh, say that the subconscious mind doesn't really listen to the word "don't" or "no." Mm, yeah, so if you that. say "Don't smoke smoke marijuana," your subconscious just hears "smoke marijuana." Right. Yep. I've heard. I've seen. Actually, I think I've seen some studies on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, here's some other news since we're talking about D.C. According to Homeland Stupidity, it's official. Congress can't even run a restaurant. According to an independent audit last <laughs> we week, knew that. the Senate Restaurants Revolving Fund, which includes the exclusive Senate dining room, operated at a loss during fiscal years 2005 and 2006. And to cover those losses, what do you think they did? They just- um, shuttled in new funds. They shuttled in your money, taxpayer dollars. The audit conducted by also the... They do. We have to eat, you know. Conducted on behalf of the Government Accountability Office found that Congress appropriated $850,000 each of those two years to cover total operating losses of $1.7 million. Now, you can't eat at these restaurants, by the way. So they're only serving Congress people and their staffers. Right. And they still are losing money hand over fist. More on the way on this and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version for free at freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who made the move. Tour New Hampshire on uh, special Free State Project bus tours or on your own and hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Talking about the... Senate Dining Room, where it's operated by the Senate Restaurants Revolving Fund, and they've lost money in 2005 and 2006. I presume they lost money before that because their total operating losses were $1.7 million over those two years. Good Lord, $1.7 mil? Yeah. <laughs> what are they having, like $2 filet mignons for the, uh, Maybe. In, the, in the Senate dining room? And you, we have a special today where you can get a filet mignon for free. We'll just charge it to the taxpayers. Yep. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> in addition, the architect of the Capitol and the government printing office provided the Senate restaurants with equipment worth over $320,000 and other support services such as space and utilities, the value of which cannot be readily determined, according to the GAO report. This all from HomelandStupidity.us. The Senate dining room is billed as Washington's most exclusive restaurant, where the food 
exact to a fault, as one review has it, takes a back seat to overhearing what Washington's top power brokers are up to, according to another restaurant reviewer. The prices charged, however, were dirt cheap by Mm. local restaurant standards. Well, there you go. The unnamed reviewer wrote, while the five-star executive chef trained at some of the fancier restaurants in the world before coming to the Senate dining room, talks about his standards for quality and service. And even though your tax dollars are covering the persistent losses of this operation... You can't dine there without a letter from your senator. In addition to the Senate dining room, the Senate restaurant's revolving fund also includes five dining areas that are open to the public, as well as catering services. I'll bet the prices um, and the ones that are open to the public aren't nearly as good as they are in the Senate dining room. Does anybody have Sununu's number? Uh, I don't. But oh, I want uh, an invitation to that place. <laughs> Maybe he'll fly go. you there on a plane. We got a nice lobster for you, three ninety nine today. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should go there uh, on the uh, the next time we're in Washington D.C. Mark, see if we can uh, get in. Yeah, right. Oh boy, they'd I don't love... see why we would be able to get in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you go. Losing money everywhere. They can't operate a restaurant correctly. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Just more evidence that the government is miserable at virtually anything it attempts to do. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dennis in New Hampshire on the amplifier line. Hello, Dennis. Howdy, folks. How you doing? Howdy. Good. What's Good, on sir. your mind? Well, I, I've got some mixed news. I think it's mostly bad news. The uh, New Hampshire State House did go ahead and vote on the medical marijuana bill. Okay. That uh, I know you guys had had tried to do a lot with. Yeah, um, I I uh, I wasn't expecting too much on this. Well, neither was I. Um, at the end of the day, it lost by just five measly votes. Really. Five votes away. That's yes. way wow. better than I'd expected. And, and, and the thing that you've got to realize, this isn't uh, the normal legisl- state legislature where there's 100 representatives. There's 400 there. 400 there. Yeah. Wow. What was the final vote? It was 186 to 177. Mm. And the really interesting thing to my mind is this was done against Isn't that eight votes? the leadership. Wait a minute. Pardon? Isn't that eight votes? I thought you said it was five well, it's, votes. It's nine votes different, but you only needed five to make it come out the other way. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't actually have to get a majority? <laughs> don't, don't, don't even address it, Dennis. Go on with your story. <laughs> so the, oh, it's a math thing. It I got you. It's a math thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, well, I if, went if to government school. Up, you don't get 400, and that's because some people weren't there. <laughs> I just, Dennis, hold on. Uh, just step down for a second. This kid went to a gifted school. Gifted. Go ahead. Midvale. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the leadership on both parties was actually actively campaigning against the medical marijuana bill. Mm-hmm. And I kind of expected that from the Republicans. But the Democrats, their leadership, were against the medical marijuana thing. What a shame. Yeah, that is a shame. But after all that, to come just, you know, obviously both parties had massive defection from their, uh, from their leadership, as it were. And right. there is one Hail Mary attempt left because it was such a close vote. If any one of the people that voted against it tomorrow decide to change their mind and vote for it, they can force one more vote on the issue. So really? it's like I'm sure that right now they're, the, the reps in favor are pounding on all the reps who are against to just find five people who will defect. Now, how does that, how does that work? Where is it, is it only if it's a close vote that you can call another vote, or can you just call another vote if you're— It's uh, not worth it otherwise. The deal is one of the people that, quote-unquote, won, like, you know, they voted against it in the majority, they have to make a motion to say, well, let's have a reconsider. Uh. And 
generally the speaker is only going to entertain the motion if it was really close and there's a chance it could come out the other way the next time. Otherwise, the person will be told to sit down and shut up. Were there any marijuana users, uh, medical marijuana users, that came to actually testify in favor of the bill? I actually don't know. I didn't get to see it live, which is a real pity. They do stream it over the interweb, so you mm-hmm. can see it. I'll go ahead and post it on your bulletin board, so right. if people really want to, they can watch the whole sordid affair. Well, you know, this but, is very uh, interesting, and I think that uh, it's indicative of some a, a possible change that could come in very in the very near future here in uh, in New Hampshire. I think what this this bill comes up on about a yearly basis, does it not? Well, this the, the medical marijuana issue can next be um, voted on in 2008. Like, you know, they'll try the Hail Mary play tomorrow. If that doesn't work, they can try again in 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by that time, uh, I guess in 2008, we won't have been able to run any more candidates quite yet. But by the next time, all we oh, really yeah, need we'll, to do... we'll have lots of candidates in 2008. That's when a whole bunch of free staters who couldn't run for state rep in 2006... Because only like the first dozen or so people that moved into the state could could run that time, 2008. Oh, so, so, but I, I, I was thinking that if they were going to have the vote in early 2008, then we would have had much of an effect on it. But if they had the vote after people are, are elected into office, then that would change. But, I mean, only electing another five or six or ten uh, liberty-oriented candidates would completely change this whole situation. Oh, you got it. Not to mention if the party leadership changes, and that can happen enormously based on people coming in and getting active in either one of the major parties mm-hmm. right away. Because mm-hmm. then you get to be a delegate, you get to make votes, you get to you can definitely influence where the party is going pretty much from the time you move in if you roll up your sleeves and say, Okay, I'm a I'm a Republican. Yeah, I'm right. a Republican. Well you might just be. Mark's a, a Republican. I don't know. I I, I hate being called a Republican, but I don't mind you know. calling myself one when I feel like it. Well the you know, the fact is the free staters have moved in uh the free staters that have moved in, uh they have at least so far is essentially taken over the leadership roles of the and it was a, a nice non violent takeover of course, but taken over the leadership roles of the Republican Liberty Caucus and the Democratic Freedom Caucus as well. So it's just gonna be a few more steps from there to uh getting more of the the actual party uh, leadership roles, getting into those. Definitely. So it's doable. In a lot of cases, it's just a matter of showing up and be willing to help. You know, volunteering, say, oh, you need someone to take minutes? Well, oh, I'll take the minutes. And it, before you know it, everyone goes, hey, you're a helpful person. Can you go ahead and be our vice chairman? Sure. Boom. And, you know, fact is there are a lot of people that, that want to show up. A lot of people are planning to, to come to this state here in the next two years. And, Dennis, thanks for the update. Really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the packet8.net toll-free line for you. The Freedom of Information Act. Has it made information more free? We'll talk about it on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Updates included. You just get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com. To get on the list, that's updates.freetalklive.com. 
The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. The Republican Liberty Caucus. 1-800-259-9231. I had a friend of mine tell me recently that I should consider contacting the FBI to get my file um, via the Freedom of Information Act. There's this act that was passed about a decade ago that says that you can go through some sort of process that involves probably a certified letter of some sort. I don't know what the requirements are, but you send it to whatever bureaucracy and you can retrieve information. Now, if there have been documents that have been classified, then you're going to get the classified documents back. So you don't really, it's not really true freedom of, of information, but it's, I guess, more access to information than anybody's had in the past. And so you can send this request in. I guess you get it notarized. You send it in, and then they send you back your file. I wasn't too interested in necessarily uh, letting the FBI know that I was interested in something like that, and I'm not really um, so much. But nonetheless, apparently, Mark, the story is that this whole Freedom of Information Act thing hasn't really been working out the way it intended, huh? Well, um, it's just, it, not, not entirely, no. The Freedom of Information Act enables the public to obtain information from the federal government to ascertain, as stated by the Supreme Court, what the government is up to. After all, the government shrouded in secrecy is not a government by the people or for the people. With the coming of the Electronic Age, Congress enacted electronic-related amendments. These amendments required federal agencies to make available important records online provide specific guidance to citizens on submitting information requests, and implement the technology necessary to post information proactively. The intent of the EFOIA um, was to increase public access to government information while at the same time reducing the burden created by FOIA requests. So the idea is, um, you know, put a bunch of inf- put some information that uh, it makes sense to have out there available, available for the public to view rather than having to you know, respond to these requests all the time. Okay. Save time and money. All well and good, right? Wrong. A recent audit of the National Security Archive, an independent, non-governmental research effort at George Washington University, paints a bleak picture of governmental non-compliance with the EFOIA a decade after its enactment. (laughs) A decade. Ten years. Significant findings include the following. Only 21% of the federal agencies post their websites um, post on their websites all four categories of records specifically required by law, agency um, opinions, orders, statements of agency policy, and frequently requested records and guidance to agency staff. A, mic, um, a mere 6% of agencies post <laughs> all 10 elements of essential FOIA guidance where um, where to send FO, FOIA requests. Fee status, fee mm-hmm. waivers, expediting process, um, reply time, exemptions, Great. administrative uh, appeals rights, where to send appeals, judicial review rights, and index So if you actually records. want to get any of this information from one of the 94% of agencies that haven't posted it, then you've got to trudge through the bureaucracy to try and track it you've down. You've got to make calls and beg bureaucrats for yep. information. Mm. 26, this, this is actually, it, it's seeming like a good number, but 26% of agencies provide online forms for submitting FOIA requests. And many agency internet links are incorrect or missing. <laughs> so they just send you to the wrong place, just like when you call. Yep. Wow. <laughs> this situation is unacceptable. Not only this is unacceptable. Who's right? Right. Where is this coming from? I missed that. Um, it's it's from news. dot com. Uh, it, the 
the, so it's the, the article. Is article uh, excuse me, uh, attorney Eric Sinrod. So it's the attorney that's saying this is unacceptable, right. not some politician. Correct. Okay. The situation is unacceptable. Not only is it against the law as it was written ten years ago. Well, who cares? It's clearly they from, don't. From what we talked about last night, uh, the uh, was it the FBI? They don't care about what the law says with the national security letters, just sending them out to whoever they want. They don't care. They're lying about all sorts of things. This is no. This is not a surprise. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that anybody's surprised or shocked by this. <laughs> yes, well, it's against the law. But what are you going to do? Are you going to bring them up on charges? You can't do that. You're just an attorney, buddy. It's true. All you, have to, all you can do is beg. That's all he can do is go to get in front of his representative and say, Hey, it's been ten years and you guys still aren't respecting this law. And then they'll t- he'll say, Well, I thank you for your opinion, sir. Yeah. Uh, in in that nice case, day. it's an opinion. Now, if right. you broke the law, it's a charge. Right. It also um, completely goes against the total freedom of um, access to governmental information. Yes, it is true that certain government information deserves protection, such as when true national security is at stake. But I hate that cop That's out. the word, true. <laughs> that is why FOIA includes certain exemptions. Without a proper basis to invoke an exemption, government information should not be shielded from coming to light simply because the government has not seen fit to obey the law <laughs> and enter the information age. Because it's not being kept... Um, most of the information he's talking about here isn't being kept from us because... Um, it's a secret, a state secret of some sort. It's just it's being, being kept because they're bureaucrats. Because they're lazy, and they don't feel like doing it, and they don't see any uh, obligation, and screw your law. Right. Well, what are they going to do? Even really? potential arguments of cost and um, burden fall upon the wayside when the situation is analyzed properly. It is far less burdensome and costly for federal agency to post basic and frequently requested information online um, than to respond separately. Many individual requests for the same information when the information cannot be accessed on agency websites. Correct. Makes perfectly good sense. While the National Security Archive um, audit highlights some chief offenders of the EFOIA, including Immigration Customs Enforcement... Those, uh, the SWAT team down there at ICE, yeah. a Department of Homeland Security component, and, and the Air Force. Apparently, the Air Force isn't very good at this. The audit also um, complements certain federal branches that probably get mm, maybe three-quarters compliant. <laughs> the, um, wow. Right, such as NASA, for proactively posting um, records of great interest to the public, like the Columbia Space Shuttle disaster and the Department of Education, for providing guidance and tools like online forms for FOIA requesters. If NASA and the Department of Education can get it right, so should the other federal agencies. It's not as if EFOIA was just enacted yesterday. Ten years is plenty of time to come into compliance. And at the end of the fiscal year, um, (laughs) compliance ultimately will be reduced to governmental FOIA burden and cost. So So that's it. More failure. Failure upon failure. And no, uh, there's no mechanism of accountability whatsoever. So the government can go ahead and pass all kinds of regulations upon itself, and this is a perfect example of what can happen when government creates rules for itself. The Government Accountability Office, as we pointed out in the story about the uh, the the restaurant losing money hand over the over over fist, the Government Accountability Office is great at outlining where government botches up. Uh, where they're spending too much or, or not meeting their requirements, as they did in this particular case. So they're really good at pointing it out, but then it just, you know, the information just sits there. It makes a nice juicy news report, makes a nice segment on Free Talk Live, but nothing's ever done about it. I mean, no. th- for anything to change here, 
there would have to be some sort of accountability legislation passed. There would have to be some sort of punishment uh, for the bureaucrats that were running these agencies. Right. You know, uh, if, if, they pass a, if they make something against the law and they pass a law for the citizens, well, they put a penalty behind it. Yeah. But they pass a law for the bureaucrats. They're not going to put a penalty. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that the federal government is just so bloated now that, that it's impossible for it to be accountable. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not going to get better. This is this cannot be. This is not a problem that's going to be solved by another piece of legislation. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would take for uh, the, the the Senate or the the House to actually get behind a piece of legislation to make something happen in this particular case? They'd have to threaten these bureaucrats uh, by taking away their pensions or their their jobs entirely. They'd have to say that you know you either get compliant with this Freedom of Information Act within the next six months, or we're closing down your bureaucracy. And you know that's not going to happen. You know they aren't going to make those threats because then the unions of those bureaucrats are going to get crazy against the, that particular legislation. There's way too much politics going on for anything to actually change in this situation. So we'll keep reporting the juicy statistics uh, because they'll continue coming out. Oh, yeah. It'll they'll, never they'll get better. They'll keep on screwing up. Never. And they're getting One, juicier. 1-800-259-9231. Coming up, San Francisco bans grocery bags. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can work up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we give away all the features. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. We do it for free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. To learn what the program's about, it's simple. stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month to the show. We turn it around into advertising, Free Talk Live. We buy industry advertising uh, to promote the show to more radio stations. Uh, we also do a lot more with the money. You can see what I mean by going to amp.freetalklive.com and getting signed up. Like over 360 of our existing of, of our listeners have decided to do. Plus, there's some perks involved, like access to the amplifier-only call-in lines and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. San Francisco, the same city that recently, I think it was last year, passed the handgun ban that thankfully was uh, quickly overturned by the California, I think it was the Supreme Court or some one of those appeals courts. The same city has now banned something completely different, and that would be Plastic grocery bags. According to the Associated Press, city leaders approved a ban on plastic grocery bags after weeks of lobbying on both sides from environmentalists and a supermarket trade group. If Mayor Gavin Newsom signs the ban as expected, San Francisco will be the first U.S. city to adopt such a rule. The law, passed by a 10-to-1 vote, requires large markets and drugstores to give customers only a choice among bags made of paper that can be recycled, Plastic that breaks down easily enough to be made into compost or reusable cloth. Now, hold on. I heard this. The first time I heard this, I couldn't believe it. Why did we switch from paper bags to plastic bags about 15 years ago? It's better cost? for the environment and saves trees. Saves trees. Oh, cost, I would think, as well. Uh, I don't know about the cost. What I I think saves trees is what the businesses would have slapped on it, but uh, it would seem to me that it costs less to manufacture a thin little plastic bag than a nice thick paper bag. I don't know the answer to that. What um what I heard was it saves trees. Okay. 
And uh, so now we're having to not use plastic bags because it's bad for the environment. I mean, they, it seems like they just don't know. The plastic bags end up in the bay and they kill the seals. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, there was, this was proposed. I remember we talked about it when it was proposed. It was over, over a year ago. And the proposal was, it had a, pointed out that the plastic bags, uh, well, in fact, here you go, San Francisco supervisors and supporters said that by banning the petroleum-based sacks, Blamed for littering streets and call them sacks. choking marine life. <laughs> the measure would go a long way toward helping the city earn its green stripes. Uh, anyway, they say that uh, hopefully other cities and states will follow suit, says Supervisor Ross Murkami, who crafted the ban after trying to get a 15 cent per bag tax passed in 2005. Mm. The 50 grocery stores that would be most affected by the law argued that the ban was not reasonable because plastic bags made of corn byproducts are relatively new, expensive, and are untested. Some said they might offer only paper bags at checkout. The California Grocers Association representative said, I think what grocers will do now that, they've, uh, that this has passed is they'll review all their options and decide what they think works best for them economically. Newsom uh, supports the measure. I don't know who that is. Uh, but the switch is scheduled to take place in six months for grocery stores and one year for pharmacies. Craig Noble, spokes, uh, spokesman for the Natural Resources Defense Council, said it would be disappointing if grocers rejected the biodegradable plastic bag option, since more trees would have to be cut down if paper bag use increases. Yes, but you heard me with that T word. <laughs> it, you know, I, I, I say it every time we talk about uh, trees, but here's it's just so ridiculous to think that um, the use of paper bags is going to somehow diminish trees look tree is a product people you know the the market supplies products the tree is no different than potatoes look if people went on a potato eating binge it's a little longer to grow a tree but your your point is correct right, but, it, but right. you know, there's still farms out there it only the price of trees will go up at that point well you you can make uh, bags out of hemp. You could. You yeah. absolutely really could. Really good bags you could reuse. If it were legal to do that. It, yeah. That's, that's a hemp. whole different set of the issue. But I'm just right. saying, look, trees are a commodity. People buy them. If there's a rush in the tree market, well, there'll be more tree farmers, and they'll grow more trees, and it'll take a while. I mean, trees, it takes a while for trees to grow, 30 years or something for a loblolly pine to get, um, and that's pretty much what they use, mm-hmm. those soft pines. And, and you know, they'll they'll have more trees available and the price of um wood pulp will go up that's all so then people will say hmm i don't know if i want so much paper i think i'll go paperless on my office people will make choices based on the the price if you don't think that's true what if gas jumped to twenty dollars a gallon tomorrow don't you think you'd be making some travel choices that were a little different yeah you'd be making different travel choices in the same way that if um the price of paper triples tomorrow because there's a rush on paper then people will use less paper. Mm. That's all. We're not. Believe me. I know trees are pretty. I know Arbor Day is a great holiday, and we should plant trees. And trees are wonderful. I agree with all those things. But pulp, wood pulp, is simply a product. That's all. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your thoughts on the plastic bag ban? It uh, it has not yet been signed by the mayor, but it's expected to be. So it's pretty much a shoe in at this point. And, uh, of course, the, the, the supervisor, the city supervisor, is already trying to pimp the idea out to other cities. Mm. I mean, we've already seen that uh, cities and uh, governments around the world watch what other governments do to see what they're trying to do. is They want to see what the other, other governments get away with. They well, want to see if they can pass new laws and not have anybody challenge them or anything like that. And so this guy's already trying to pimp this idea out. 
Yeah, they, they've never met my wife. She uses, uh, she reuses plastic uh, shopping bags like ten times. She washes them and reuses them until they fall apart. Really? Yeah. Then she buries them out in the backyard. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. interesting. She's very thrifty. Well, now I, I think I don't know that um, anybody who doesn't reuse plastic garbage bags, but I would imagine they put them in the garbage and they they therefore go to the dump. They don't and and they do get buried. I've watched them at the dump. They bury garbage. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I use mine. I, I use them to clean out the kitty litter box and um, all kinds of things, but they're, if, they're useful. They're yeah, now you can't do that anymore. Right. If you're in San Francisco, you won't be able to do that anymore. I'll just find paper bags. It wouldn't matter to me. Yeah, but it's harder. I mean, it's not as easy, for instance. I mean, you, with a nice little plastic grocery bag, it fits to the sides of your trash can. Yes. Putting a paper bag in there and trying to you know, molest it to form the... The, uh, the the actual form of the trash can is going to be much more difficult. And when something in the in the trash is wet, it soaks through, and then oh, you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. Then you got garbage all over your kitchen floor. This is not Fun. going to be good. Got to um, have plastic garbage bags, man. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's other news in the nanny state world, and I believe Wayne, you've got a story about uh, Pennsylvania. The, yes. the entire state of Pennsylvania, possibly making some significant changes to the automotive regulations. Oh, boy. Yeah, the Politburo of Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Proposal mandates ignition interlocks for all cars. A bill introduced last week in the P- Pennsylvania House of Representatives would mandate that every car sold in the state be equipped with a breath-testing device. <laughs> Saint represent- uh, state Representative Paul I. Clymer, Republican, Bucks County, in- insists... That every motorist must prove that he is not drunk before starting a vehicle. Is this is this satire? Yeah, it sounds real? like it. The guy's name's what? Dick I Climber? What was his name? Says <laughs> Paul I Climber. This sorry, is for real. That. Thought it was Richard. This there. is a real guy, and he's making honest. This is his real feelings. Yes, it is. Uh, he wants everyone in Pennsylvania, not just a. I thought that he just when you told me about this before the show, because I'd like to ask what you guys have for the show prep before the show. When you told me about this, I thought, oh, well, they just want to install these. I thought it was a terrible idea, but I thought they just wanted to install these so that if the person becomes a drunk driver, then, you know, they get caught for drunk driving, then they can sort of activate this thing, and then it'll start requiring checks. He wants everyone who gets behind the wheel to blow into a breathalyzer? That's right. According to this article, Climber's proposal would, would require that by 2009, all new cars sold in Pennsylvania have a device installed to estimate the amount of alcohol on the breath of a driver. If the machine believes the driver's BAC is greater than 0.025%, significantly less than the legal limit of 0.08%, the car would not start. Wow. <laughs> By 2010, all motorists will be forced to install the devices on existing cars what? before being able to sell them as used vehicles. Several states have oh mandated my. ignition interlocks for those convicted <laughs> of drunken driving, as you were saying, creating a booming business for manufacturers of the devices. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. It's yeah. it's, it's it's a a gimmick to, to wonder, sell these things. I wonder which friend of this representative yeah. is in that business. Well, and court ordered interlocks generally cost up to two hundred dollars to install, with one hundred and twenty five dollars in monthly maintenance fees. What? But, but permanent installation of such devices would add more than a thousand dollars to the cost of new vehicles. So this, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. $125 of monthly maintenance fees? Is that over an entire year? Or is that $125 a month? $125 a month, evidently. These people have to pay to have this thing in their car once they've been convicted of drunken driving now. And, and, I see. Uh, now, but... But, but, but Pennsylvania is going to convict everybody. Uh, it sounds like they're going yeah. to uh, spread a pretty wide net here, guys. If there's more to this story, it might be worth talking about an hour number two, because uh, this is just incredible. And... 
We barely had a chance to comment. And you haven't is, uh, either. 800-259-9231. Do you live in Pennsylvania? And if this law goes through, it's just proposed at this point. But they want this. If this law goes through, how will you respond? Ah! This is Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the pack at 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those for free, freetalklive.com. I'm going to continue a topic unusual to do this. I know we got people just tuning in, so we need to recap. Uh, Wayne, there's a story out of Pennsylvania, a proposed law... I don't know how much support this law has. For all I know, there's five people that support it. But it's interesting and instructive to look into the mindset of these nanny statists. In this case, a Republican. Again, being Republican and Democrat doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm. Uh, but in this case, a, a Pennsylvania Republican, the, the House of Representatives there, has put forth a bill that will mandate... On all new vehicles, was it in 2009 or yeah, something? Yeah, so, sold in the state of Pennsylvania. They all must have this new vehicle breathalyzer interlock system. Mm. And, of course, this is going to raise the price of the cars. And not only do they have to have the system, but they have to be activated. They have to be uh, so everyone who's in the state of Pennsylvania that buys a new car, this, of course, will be a huge disincentive against that, uh, but anybody who buys a 2009 car... Whenever they get in to drive it, they'll have to blow. They'll have to blow into this device that's coming out of their steering wheel or their dashboard or whatever and uh, pass the test before they can actually drive to work or drive to the grocery store or drive to get some gasoline or drive to drop the kids off at school or wherever. Talk Uh, about a time waster. Yeah, and and of course, we mentioned that it would add more than $1,000 to the cost of a new vehicle. The the Sensolock brand... For example, lists for $1,595. It's not cheap. Not cheap at all. And, and it just means that everybody, including people who have never drank a drop in their life, are responsible for paying for this just to make sure that yep. these few people that uh, you know decide to drink and then get into a car, just so that they won't um, be quite, quite the hazard. Not that it's going to stop people from drunk driving, because it's just like the Internet. As soon as you put something like this, there'll be a hack out for it. Mm-hmm. There'll be some way of cracking this thing. I don't know how. Um, but they'll they'll figure it out. They, they might they'll crack have a it? device that uh, humidifies warm air and blows it. But these are the kind of bad ideas that somebody in California might say, oh, wow, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lawsuit that uh, claims that these ignition interlocks are not safe. Um, it's a lawsuit filed in Pennsylvania. claims a dashboard device intended to stop people from driving drunk can actually be a safety hazard. The suit was filed by a two-time drunk driving convict. Interesting. Um the ter- term convict, I thought, always meant people who were locked up, but maybe not. Who okay. passed out and crashed his car while blowing into an ignition interlock. I'm not sure how the ignition I interlock I thought you was. were supposed to blow into it before the car let you drive anywhere. Look, I'm just reading the article here. It's from the Associated Press. 
take it up with them. A small machine that measures alcohol in the breath um, and won't allow the car to start if the driver's been drinking. Judges can order repeated drunken drivers to install these interlocks in their car. Drivers must perform the test periodically, so the car... Oh, so while the, the car's car moving, they've got to... Yeah. I see. So uh-huh. he's he's supposed to be driving, but now instead he's got to reach for a tube or whatever yeah. and put it in his mouth and then and then blow, and right. that's just, that's a somewhat of a distraction. He had to blow so hard into the machine it made him feel dizzy and pass out. Oh, my. Uh, he's a heavy smoker and said that he blew so hard during one test that he fell on unconscious and crashed into a tree, severely injuring his hand. Mm. And he it's was tough for smokers. sober at the time. Right. It's tough for smokers to uh, to get the wind that the, that they need for this, apparently. Oh, boy. You know, this this would be, be great fodder for, like, a horror film. You know, there'd be this house party of teenagers, and they're all partying, and all of a sudden there's some big, like, zombie monster with his eye hanging out, comes and starts killing all these kids, and this girl runs out to her car. <laughs> <laughs> she gets to her car, and then she's trying to blow the thing, and she can't start the car. Right. <laughs> you know that's coming. Yeah, yeah. A 79-year-old woman filed suit in Florida after she couldn't muster enough breath to get a reading on her um, court-ordered interlock. Oh, my God. Her suit asked the state to lift the requirements so that she can equip her car, um, that she equip her car with one of the devices, saying that in the case of someone with shortness of breath, the rule violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm. So it's not like these devices are going to solve all our worries or anything like that. Suddenly, drunk driving will not disappear because of these devices. Are they going to make it so with this new law in Pennsylvania, again, these devices are going to be mandated in every single car, presuming the law passes, are they going to make it so that you have to do what these, uh, the DUI people are doing, and that is uh, essentially check in with the machine as you're driving, where every 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, you're, you're having to blow into this tube to keep the car going? No, I think it's when you start the car. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then maybe they can tra- maybe they can adjust it after that for the, to the, the the DUI people where they have to check in every fifteen minutes. Well, you know what know. you do is you you uh, you blow into it and you start the car up and then you start drinking. Right. If you aren't a DUI convict, yeah, then that's what you would do. Yeah. So this is uh, again, it's coming down the pipe. People, there are uh, nanny statists out there. These people that believe the government knows best. Just look to mommy government to take care of you. These are the ideas they have in their head. They may not be popular enough yet to pass, but it's only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time. But the the thing with this one is, is it's just it's so ridiculous. Look, you're not going to stop it. There's going to be a hack out for these things just as soon as you mandate that they um, go on these cars. There's probably one out there now, and. You know, people are going to buy these things that are going to drink. So only that at that point, the drunks will just be beyond it. Yeah, but we're smarter than you, and you should listen to us. They're not smarter though. They're dumber. It's all they're doing is running up the cost of our cars, fifteen hundred bucks. Right now, fifteen hundred dollars yeah. on a Humvee or something like that. That's you know, it's a little bit. It's a percentage, yeah. a smaller percentage. A lot of, of, the purchase a lot price. of people who who drive Humvees are alcoholics. But so that the, would make sense. But on a <laughs> Kia, on a, uh, yeah. a low like a Corolla or something like that. Then you're looking at uh, what ten, twelve thousand dollars for a brand new car. You've just increased the price of that car by fifteen to twenty percent. I mean, or, or ten to ten to twenty percent. I mean, that's huge. Yes, for people it is. With, for, for people of limited means, this is going to make poor people suffer even even more than they currently do. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And and the the provision about mandating that they go on to all cars. Uh, when they're sold, used cars, that way you right. know, so selling your old 1993 car for $200, it won't be worth it anymore. Right. Uh, suddenly, you're, they're, they're just going to run up the amount of junk cars out there. People are going to take perfectly good automobiles, um, and they're going to end up just junking them rather than uh, 
selling right and selling them to somebody who might be able to use it. And junking those cars will completely almost eliminate the budget buy category. Right. You know, when you look up, you open up the classifieds, there's that under $2,000 section. Okay, I want to sell my car for 1000 bucks. Oh, wait a minute. I've got to go and have this thing installed. Now I can't get any money for it. That's $2,500. What this, what this bill is, is it's a slap in the face to poor people. Yeah. Poor well, people won't the, be able to drive anymore. Maybe they're trying to make everybody Amish. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. You take control <laughs> of the airwaves. Let's go to Dave in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Dave. Hey, death to the king. Long live free talk. What's up? All right. Hey, uh, this is going to be a new source of income for young kids. The guy will say, hey, kid, come here. I'll give you 10 bucks to blow into the tube here. <laughs> and then, then the kids are going to be hanging out. Hey, I'll blow into your tube $10. What are you kidding? People, guys tell me that all the time in <laughs> That's the marketplace, man. Yeah, it's going to make, a, you know, kids, it's hard for them to make money as it is. They can't work nowhere. You know? That's a great point. You know, I mean, Dave has thought this uh, this workaround up within uh, 14 minutes of us bringing up the topic. <laughs> hey, that's what hey, when uh, when the gas shortage went down in '73. I was about 15 years old, mm-hmm. and the uh, the line went around the block a few times because yeah, by the license plate is when uh, odd days, you Correct. know, even days. And uh, so me and my friends used to go down the lines, and, and you could only buy $5 at a time, too. So we said, we went down the line and said, we're collecting the $5 so the, you could go through the line faster. We used to collect the $5 for the people that just give us the $5, and then some guy would get hip and chase us over the cars, and then they just get trapped in their own little line. <laughs> you scumbag, Dave. <laughs> well, the kids will find out a way. This is a perfect thing for the yeah. kids, I think. Yeah, great point, man. Thanks for the call. We appreciate <laughs> hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I mean, that's a real simple, like a social workaround. That doesn't require any technology or anything like that. Just have somebody who's uh, who's sober nearby. The, the convenience stores are going to be selling the little um, the the little breath beater systems right there, right next to the... Uh, well, they'll outlaw that. Mm. Well, You'll have to buy them on the black market. They'll outlaw it, but not after they, you know, at the first thing, they'll, they'll have them out there, and then, then you have to go to the right. flea markets to get them, and then it'll, it'll get harder and harder, but believe yeah. me, they'll be there. And instead of designated drivers, you'll have designated blowers. 1-800-259-9231. You could take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. They haven't outlawed fuzz busters. It's against the law to speed. In Virginia, they have. But but one, one state right. you can name? All right, toll-free, packet 8 line, 800-259-9231. New research on authority and how people respond to it. This time, it's a little bit different than some of the classic psychological studies. More is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, the wiki included, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 1,200 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website. So head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. And tax season is upon us. Don't you wish you'd known more about finances when growing up? Well, A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to uh, to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt, and that's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call 800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 1-800-657-5066. 
Now, on this show, over uh, the years that we've been on the air, we've talked about certain psychological studies uh, over time. The Stanley Milgram experiment, the Stanford prison experiment. Uh, these are studies where you know there were different things done that showed that human beings have a real tendency to follow the orders of what they perceive of as an authority. So, for instance, I think it was the Milgram study where the shocks were employed, uh, where they they essentially had this confederate, a guy that was sort of in on the study, acting as though he was being shocked whenever he would get a word pair incorrect. And the, the person who was being studied um, was sh- supposedly shocking this man. And they would continue shocking the guy until, uh, well, until the, the highest level of shocks in many cases. And, until they thought he was dead. Simply because there was a man in a lab coat standing there telling them to. Now, the man in a lab coat's just a man in a lab coat. Right. Just a guy, just like you are. But people respond to this, the fact that he's the one conducting the study. He's a scientist. Therefore, he's the authority figure in that particular case. And so they continued shocking uh, this man all the way up to the maximum level of shocks. Now, the guy wasn't actually getting the shocks, but they didn't know any better. And it was really uh, interesting to, sh- to see how people responded when, for instance, you put in, instead of having the scientist in the room suggesting that they continue the shocks or telling them they had to continue, which, of course, wasn't true at all. He was just saying that. There was no punishment if you didn't continue. You were in there voluntarily uh, to conduct a study. How would you react to that? It's impossible to predict. I would like to say what I would do, but people could not predict in advance what their reactions would be. Um, it's, in fact, there was a significant percentage of people that went uh, way beyond the safety level of shocks in this particular study. And many of them were shocked after the they were surprised after the fact that they behaved in the way that they did and then they brought in uh they brought in the just a regular person another one of the participants in the study who was also of course in on the 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 whole thing but instead of having the scientist in the room urging the person giving the shocks to keep going to go higher and higher it was just another person someone who was perceived as on the same level so it's just another regular guy in which case they didn't really respond to him so much you know, they were more likely to say, no, I'm no. not gonna, this guy's hurting. Yeah, you dummy. What are you doing? We're not doing that. Right, right. So yeah. there was a big difference between the lab coat and the guy without a lab coat right, on. Yeah. And it was fascinating. Also, the Stanford prison experiment where they, they took college kids, just regular college kids, and put them into roles. Uh, they, they created their own little fake prison. And it was a prison study, and they put the uh, half of them into prisoner roles. They put the other half into guard roles. And it was amazing watching as they all took on their roles as though they actually were prisoners and guards. And the guards started behaving in the way that we hear stories about real prison guards behaving, being sadistic, uh, being sickos, and forcing the prisoners to do things that you know might not have been appropriate. Uh, and the prisoners sort of putting up with it. Yeah, they were a little rebellious in the beginning, but as the guards continued to crack down, the prisoners were starting to snitch on each other, the prisoners were starting to uh, break their alliances, the <laughs> prisoners... I mean, it was just an amazing study. Well, now another study's been done. And those other two studies had a lot to do with obedience and authority and roles and that sort of thing. But this new study has to do with God... And obedience and authority and all the rest. From ABC News, does believing that God is on our side make it easier for us to inflict pain and suffering on those perceived to be our enemies? If we think God sanctions violence, are we more likely to engage in violent acts? 
The answer to both of those questions, according to new research, is a resounding yes. Even among those who do not consider themselves believers, social psychologist Brad Bushman of the University of Michigan led an international research effort to find answers to these questions and said he's very disturbed by the results, though he found what he had expected. Bushman spent 20 years studying aggression and violence, especially the impact of human behavior or on human behavior of violence in the media, but most previous research is focused on television and movie violence, not such things as scriptures and texts, held sacred by many. He wanted to take it a step further and see if simply exposing someone to a text that implies that God sanctions violence would increase their level of aggression. He says, I think that many people use God as their justification for violent and aggressive actions. Think about all the wars around the world and the reasons that they're started and uh, the things that the soldiers are told that God is on our side. Yeah, you know, I th- I think that uh, most wars are fought for politicians and for governments, but you know, and they say all the wars in history are based on religion. No, they're not, but they often do send the I mean, you know, army the army is full of chaplains that uh, are supposed to um, you know, comfort the soldiers and that kind of thing and you know, we pray for the soldiers, and 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 they're told straight out that God's on your side. Yeah, things like that. Whether so it's Americans or the religion, in the definitely East. plays a role because religion plays a role in people's lives. So therefore, the soldiers are alive. They you know they have lives, and um, to say that it's not mixed in there somehow is just ridiculous. So he says that many people use God as a justification for their violent and aggressive actions. Take the current conflict in Iraq as an example. Bush claims that God is on his side. Osama bin Laden claims that God or Allah is on his side. History is replete with other examples of wars fought in the name of God, involving nearly every religion on the planet. To find his answers, Bushman assembled teams of researchers at two very different universities. I'm guessing on the pronunciation here, Vire University in Amsterdam, Holland, where he also holds a professorship, and Brigham Young University in Utah. Now, only half of the students who participated in the study at the uh, at VRI, I'm just going to call it that, reported that they believe in God, and only 27% believe in the Bible. At Brigham Young, again, in Utah, 99% say it, they that's believe... That's the, the Mormon that's University. That's the Mormon University. Right. 99% say they believe in God and the Bible. Hmm. So, significant difference in uh, believership. It is that. Here's the fundamental issue the researchers addressed as stated in the study published in the current issue of Psychological Science. Quote, We hypothesize that exposure to a biblical description of violence would increase aggression more than a secular description of that same violence. We also predicted that aggression would be greater when the violence was sanctioned by God than when it was not sanctioned by God. Because violence in a classroom is a bit hard to justify, the researchers relied on a widely used tool to measure aggression. Students in the study were not initially told of its true purpose. Instead, they were told they were participating in two separate studies, one on Middle Eastern literature and one on stimulation of reaction time. Each student complete, uh, comp- competed against another student in the reaction time phase. Those who pushed a button first won the competition and could punish the loser by blasting him or her through a set of earphones with a loud noise. Well, I wouldn't be in that. That Ears are too valuable. I we, wouldn't, wouldn't do that crap. We will come back with uh, how this worked out and what it means in your calls as well about whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8.net till free line. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line in here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Wayne just laughing it up during the breaks here. <laughs> Having a good time. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives, an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site, for your downloaded convenience. Go get them. That's freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, hear and discuss the progress and future of the Free State Project, and attend leadership and activist training seminars. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. The question is, if you claim that God is on the side of violence, if God is used as the excuse to commit violence, uh, does that make people more likely to be violent? And according to a study, the answer is yes. In fact, not only is it yes for religious people, but it's yes for those who profess to not believe. So we'll continue with how this study went down. They did it at two different universities, Brigham Young University and V or V University in uh, in Holland or in the in the Netherlands. And essentially, what they did was they set students up into pairs, and the kids didn't know why they were being studied. They thought it was something different. Uh, they weren't told its true purpose. They were told they were participating in two separate studies: one on Middle Eastern literature, the other on stimulation of reaction time. So the two students in the study competed. Two groups of students. Two groups of students. Um, well, they paired them up. And so they competed in a uh, essentially uh, the reaction time phase. The student who pushed a button first won the competition and could punish the loser by blasting him or her through a set of earphones with a loud noise. Now, the volume of the noise was controlled by the winning student. Those who hit the loser with a mild blast were considered less aggressive than those who gave the loser the loudest of the blasts. Makes Approx- sense. Approximately the volume of a siren. Now, the study author says the noise is very, very unpleasant. It's a combination of somebody scratching their fingernails on a chalkboard and screaming and sirens. The idea behind the test, used widely in laboratories, is that only someone who feels very aggressive would blast someone with the loudest screech, about 105 decibels. Wow. Ouch. Now, before the blasting phase, the students read a description of the beating and raping and murder of a woman in ancient Israel. Half of the students read a version of that story that included an assertion that God commanded the friends of the woman to take revenge. The other half read a version that did not mention God sanctioning violence. Half of the students were told the account came from the Bible, and half were told it came from an ancient scroll. What we found is that people who believed that the passage was from from the Bible were more aggressive than those who did not know that it came from the Bible. And when God said that it's okay to retaliate, they were even more aggressive, Bushman said. We found that both at Brigham Young, which is a religious school, and at Amsterdam, where only half believe in God. Hmm. Even among non-believers, if God says it's okay to retaliate, they were more aggressive. And that's the worry here. When God sanctions aggression, when God says it's okay to retaliate, people use that as a justification for their own violent and aggressive behavior. It's like an authority study, except without actually having human authorities directly. The, you know, of course, humans wrote all the passages in the Bible, and humans created all these concepts about God. But the, you know, there's not a human that they can say, I was just following orders. 
back in the 1940s. That, of course, was uh, not a valid excuse in the Nuremberg trials. Uh, but it's still used today. Many people will do terrible things to another human being and then say, well, I was just doing what the jailer, uh, the, uh, you know, the warden told me to, or I was just doing what my uh, lieutenant told me to do. In this case, it's no one told you to do anything specifically. It's just the mention of God sanctioning violence, just that mention of this sort of theoretical authority figure. The idea that they could just sort of give up their authority and give up their responsibility to the concept that there's a violent, sanctioning God out there. This is kind of spooky to me. You know, um, God kind of did a turnaround in, in the Bible. You know, he was he was pretty violent dude in uh, the Old Testament and then in the yeah. New Testament, not nearly so much, but... Uh, yeah, it, it seems like the preachers, the Christian preachers, kind of switch back from the New to the Old Testament whenever they feel like it. And I, it, it seems to me the New Testament is what the Christians should be following, and then you know forget the Old Testament. And if you're, it should be only as relevant as you know any of the other Jewish teachings, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know they they seem to they just use it as however they feel like it, whatever's convenient for their point. When asked why non-believers would become more aggressive, Bushman suggested that perhaps some non-believers are not at all that sure that there's no God. So they're saying they don't believe, but on the inside, it's a different story. However, non-believers did not show as much of an increase in, uh, in aggression as believers when told violence was sanctioned by God. At the end of the interview, I intruded into Bushman's own religious feelings and asked if he's a believer. He said, yeah, I do believe in God, and I do believe in the Bible. In fact, I read it every day. So it's a personal as well as a professional search for Bushman. He says, what worries me is when people use God as a justification for their violence. There are scriptures that say you should not take God's name in vain. And he says this is the most extreme version of taking God's name in vain. He said, yet his own research shows that whether people consider themselves believers or not, they're more likely to be aggressive, perhaps even willing to start a war if they think God is on their side. Very instructive, very revealing of how human beings are and how easily manipulated they can be. Because those who control the reins of power, if they come to understand this idea, and I'm sure many of them already do, and that's why they that's why they use those lines like "and God is on our side" or whatever it is they tell to the troops or they use to rile them up. Well, it's just a matter of creating a perceived authority figure, whether it's God, whether it's government protecting you from the terrorists, whatever it might be, it's still a perceived authority figure. Right. Except this one is just a, this is an imaginary authority figure. And this one isn't actually, you know, God telling you to go and be violent. This was a study about, they just read a story about how God sort of sanctioned some violence. So if God can sanction some violence, then therefore it's okay for me to be violent. Or it's okay for me to be aggressive. And it, it's really disturbing. It, it, it's certainly strange how, um, you know, 75% of the students in the, uh, was it Holland? Um, the, the Europe, European... 50% uh, were believers, I think. Oh, and 25% were, would be considered themselves Christians? Yeah, I think 50% were believers and 25% believed in the Bible. Okay. Um, it's interesting how those, you know, that, that half of the student body didn't believe in, in God at all, and but still would be told, you know, God said it was okay to be violent, and they'd be more violent. Mm -hmm. hmm. It wasn't as uh, pronounced of a, of a so, difference, if, but yes. Uh, if if uh, humans are evolved beasts, and essentially <laughs> humans... Um, humans essentially believe in God. I mean, as a cultural basis, all cultures okay. believe in God. Um, Fair statement. 
how did we evolve into creatures that believe in God? I don't. I mean, that, if you, you you would either have to believe we were somebody created. Somebody came up with the idea at some point. Spaceships. Well, somebody no, somebody didn't come up with the idea. I mean, well, somebody came up with the idea, but for some reason, those people survived better. Hmm. Was it was it because I mean, and 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 most a- people that would call themselves atheists, a lot of them I could I could pull them out of the atheist category too. I could put right. them in the agnostic category. Okay. Um, just just with a few questions, um, like for instance, uh, do you believe in good luck, Ian? Don't believe in good luck. Do you believe some things are just destined to happen? No. Okay, good. <laughs> How about karma? Do you believe in karma? I think karma is an interesting concept, but I don't think it's real. I I sort of believe in karma in that in the sense that you, you do good things, good things are naturally going to happen. Yes, to you because I follow you engender, the concept. You engender good relations with your uh, fellow human beings, and I sort of think that that's how it goes. But um, I don't think that God would have created us without free will. As a matter of fact, it's pretty clear He did. I don't. I think that uh, you know self de- self determination and predestination they can't exist um, in the same religion. People don't really think about it. People say yes, God gave us a choice, but our lives are predetermined. Um, you know, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Well, no, it doesn't. My life is, um, you know, self-determined. So, you know, religion, yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, it sure is, especially when, uh, when it ties into violence like it has perhaps, here in this study. Perhaps the tribes where the shaman was able to convince a bunch, bunch of young men that they'd have 40 vir- virgins if they uh, went out and fought bravely. They killed all the non-believers. Perhaps. That's what happened. All right, 800-259-9231. Makes sense to me. More on the way. You could take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. On the way... The United Kingdom and Child Checks? This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All the features for free, though we do ask you voluntarily support us by voting. For the show, head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Only a few days remain in the month of March, and it's a monthly voting process. So once the month is over, all the votes will go away. They'll be reset. We'll be starting from scratch again in April. But we're number one as of last night. We're still number one. However, the number two show continues to be hot competition for us. Number three, they're not even close to us. But uh, the number two show, really, we're neck and neck with them. Last time, last time I looked, we were uh, six votes ahead. Yeah, we need you to go to vote for the show. And you know, do it. the whole month, it's just been this close. I, I, it looks like we, it's five now. Um, it looks like we might uh, very well in the month up at number one. I sure hope so. I'm not getting my hopes up on no, this because they know, managed if, to pull it out in the last month, at the last few moments, every single month. If our, uh, if our Listeners don't continue to vote. Uh, you know, we don't continue to get people to to vote for the rest of the last three days of the month, and we will definitely not be right. But you can only vote once uh, per month. So once you've done your one vote, try to find some other people that haven't voted mm-hmm. yet, like friends or family members, and ask them via instant message or email to go and vote at vote.freetalklive.com. It's right. really important. It, it only lets you vote uh, one time per month because it checks your email address and your and IP address. Your IP, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's if you don't have a vote bot. Which you shouldn't have because that would be have. cheating. What the hell is no, a vote no, bot? I was going to say that the competition probably does that, right? They but might. Who knows? They might have a vote bot. Who knows? Vote.freetalklive.com makes a difference for us because us being number one means more people finding the show and finding the message of freedom and liberty. Uh, the United Kingdom has just been coming up with totalitarian, tyrannical legislation after legislation, and 
this is another one that they've uh, they've come out with here, Wayne. You're going to tell us about that has to do with kids. And this isn't the first one that they've passed recently that has to do with uh, controlling your children. They have created an entire database, as a matter of fact, for children up there. And bureaucrats have access to it. So if they're, if your child's teacher wants to go and enter something into your, your child's file, they have access. They can do that. If uh, the doctor, the state doctor, the state dentist or whatever wants to enter some information in there, they can do it as well. In fact, they may even sell the, the information to, uh, to businesses. I'm not sure about that particular part, but it's kind of chilling, the idea that there's this centralized state database of all the kids in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And now it's uh, the, t- the police state and the tyranny expands further. What's going on? Yeah, just when you thought it couldn't get any creepier in the U.K., based on a story on The Telegraph, new child checks to identify future criminals. Checks will be made on all children to identify potential criminals under fur- a further extension of the surveillance state announced by Tony Blair today. A Downing Street Review of Law and Order Policy, also called for greater use of sophisticated CCTV an expanded DNA database, and instant justice powers for police. So, they, in other words, the police could actually take your property away before they even charge you with a crime. <laughs> judge <laughs> and jury. Yeah. Just what we need. Yes, Look, I know. the police are supposed to be the police, and the judges are supposed to be the judges, and there's a reason that we have this separation of powers. The review is intended to chart a course ahead for the next 10 years by focusing more on the offender, not the offense. Most crime is committed by a small num- uh, small profile um, sorry, a small number of prolific offenders who could be identified almost from birth, ministers believe. After 10 years concentrating on tougher sentences, the review paper said it wanted to tackle the underlying causes through better targeting. So Ooh. what are they going to do? Well, vulnerable children and those at risk will be identified by trigger factors such as parents in jail or on drugs. They will be subject to personalized measures including home visits. Oh, nice. From specialist practitioners. <laughs> but the, the government says the net should be cast as widely as possible to prevent criminal, uh, criminality developing. You know, I feel like this could... Uh, government programs, as we've said many a time and shown many a time, have unintended consequences. And many times the consequences are the opposite of what the original intentions for the program were. And just thinking about how I was as a kid... And thinking about how criminal, they're, they're looking at kids' parents to see, you know, who's got the alcohol problems, who's got the criminal histories. For some reason, they're saying that this is going to increase the likelihood that a child is going to be bad. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. It may be in some cases. But I think in other cases, what you might have is that kid, there, there are going to be certain kids out there that will see mommy and daddy doing bad things and resolve to themselves to never be like mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll grow up and they'll be a good person, someone who doesn't harm others, someone who doesn't commit crimes, simply because their parents did all that stuff, and they don't respect their parents as a result of that. However, once you start bringing in bureaucrats to the situation and having uh, programs that this kid's going to have to go through because mom and dad made some bad choices, now the kid has to go through this social worker set, uh, situation where they're being evaluated and checked out and, and uh, set through special programs and they have to go to special classes to make sure they aren't going to become a, a criminal. I think essentially the state getting in the face of kids like that, it may make 
it just might. I just think about how I am. Uh, if I were Rebellion. forced into something yeah. like this, mm-hmm. I would become. I, I would hate the state even more than I already do, and might be more likely to be violent against it. That's well, right. That's all. That's and all what, I'm saying. And what, what about uh, you? Might have a couple that has a kid, and the couple are model citizens, but the kid might take after Uncle Jojo. You, you never know. I mean, there are certainly are re- just rebellious kids out there. I'd have to say that I was one of those. Um, my parents were always good folks. I mm-hmm. n- never would have broken a law. But you wouldn't anything. have been targeted by this. No, I, w- I would have been completely saying. missed. Right. But it, it, it is not an untrue statement to say that convicts beget convicts. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, um, if you go to jail, you are likely more likely to have a child that goes to jail, much mm-hmm. more likely to have a child that goes to jail. But I think that um, the coercive factor here is what you're talking about, yeah. the making the kid be involved. And here's what they should do if they're going if they're going to do this program and I'm I wouldn't recommend it at all please don't do this with my tax money but if you're if they're going to do such a thing um and I can see the Salvation Army getting involved they every year they give socks to the convicts um why wouldn't they you know want to do something like this is offer to the convicts you know educate them look you don't like being in jail and your children are likely to go to jail we're offering a program to the families of um, convicted people, you know, convicts, mm-hmm. and uh, we're offering the opportunity for your kids to do some counseling and talk to somebody and, um, and that kind of thing. And I think that you could really get a lot of people involved in your program just, just by doing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's certainly a possibility. And, uh, and, and again, with, with um, getting kids involved in the system even more than they already are is just going to make them want to rebel against the system uh, th- th- more so than they might already. And also, a lot of these parents that are getting arrested, we have to remember, we're not talking necessarily about violent crimes. We're talking about so-called criminals, and drug users are labeled as criminals. And I can definitely see the case where parents get locked up for drug usage. Those kids are also going to be likely to get locked up for drug usage down the line as well, because once again, they've learned the behavior from mom and dad, that sort of thing, in a world, of course, where um, there, were no, there would be no drug laws and drugs were to be legal, then, then they might actually only be focusing on families where there's violence. Um, and maybe that would be a little bit more effective. I'm not saying that this is what should be done at all. I'm just saying that a lot of uh, families are going to get caught up in this that have to do with just drugs, just drug offenses. And it's going to give the, the state another excuse to meddle in the affairs of these family members. It also and having social workers show up at, uh, at ha- these houses is just going to cause more trouble. It's also an extension of the snitch uh, society as well. And, and you'll love this passage. They say the government believes children can be prevented from becoming offenders if early intervention is targeted at those who displayed certain behaviors. These include having short attention span or behaving aggressively or living in a difficult or depraved or deprived environment. Mm-hmm. That, that's very general. That's very general. How are they going to determine all this? Exactly. And, but, you know, the other thing that I think of when I hear this is that really what they're looking to do eventually is identify dissidents. Yeah, that's a good point. It's certainly a great point. Because the apparatus is there. They're saying they're doing it for this reason, but really, if you think about it, once the apparatus is in place, they can do whatever they want with, with this this network or this uh, apparatus right. that and they've if set you, up. If you've uh, been arrested for a drug charge, 
you all of a sudden are going to get into this program if you've got kids. And, of course, since there's going to be a centralized database of all the kids in Great Britain, they're going to know if you have kids or not, presuming you had them in a hospital. So you get arrested for a drug charge. They all of a sudden know you've got a kid. And now, instead of just getting out of jail and maybe having to go on probation, now you've got a social worker coming to your house to do interviews and to run tests on your children. Mm. I mean, this is going to make uh, the invasion of the state into private lives so much bigger than it is today. And yeah. that's pretty scary, too. Yeah, the social worker will become a surrogate parent. That's correct. You either follow the rules. All of a sudden, now you've gotten out of jail. You'd snorted some coke or whatever, made a few mistakes, and uh, and got caught. Now you've gonna, you're going to have to subject yourself and your family to the all the bureaucratic rules, whatever it is they want to come up with, and there's going to be no limitation on them. Well, they're going to start with some, and then they're going to come up with more. This yeah. convicts the whole family of something because the whole family is required to do stuff. Yeah. And all it's going to do is then make um, you know convicts are going to have a more difficult time rest- restarting their lives because they'll have to find new women. Women will say, I don't want to be around with you. Any kids we have, um, the government's going to be involved. Yeah. Hour number three is on the way. T.S. Say horror stories coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and anything goes if you take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features, totally free, so enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. We're going straight to the phones and to the fun to start things out here, because it is the show about your calls. It's Beavis calling from California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Uh, 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 I was just wondering where you're basing your logic uh, on um, the fact that a father uh, that goes to jail will most, like his son, uh, will most likely go to jail, too. I was wondering where you're basing your logic on that. I don't know that I said most likely, but I said statistically you're more likely to go to jail if you're one of your parents is... There's uh, an increased chance. That's uh, a chance. Uh, okay. That's um, nice. Yes, you do suck. I, Anything else, Beavis? Uh, Thanks. I was just, uh, mm-hmm. uh, That's brilliant. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Yeah, didn't see that coming. 800-259-9231. You know, you have to give them, Like, our crank callers recently have been so bad <laughs> yeah. right, that we have to handhold them. Right, we have to help them do the right, crank we call. Have to, <laughs> we have to just open up the door to give them the opportunity. Like, they can't get their crank out in the initial phase of the call. And if some, there could be a good crank where you've got some lead-up where you sound like a legitimate call, and then you crank at the end, but... He asked a question, and he was really bad at asking of what was a legitimate question for someone that didn't understand what we'd said in the last hour. But then we had to give him the chance to crank. Yeah. You're supposed to just roll into it. You're yeah. supposed to just do it. When he said Beavis, I was a little suspicious. Oh, immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. That's... I've got something to say. Hey, Beavis, I hope, I hope a tree falls on your mother's Volvo station wagon. That's terrible of you. Terrible. It must be something from the uh, cartoon. Is that a joke? Know. So what is what was I don't it? know. I just no. He just thought that up. I just thought it up. You know, back being in, mean to a young child back who's in trying the to crank days, a radio show. He's in California. I can see it right now. You know, his mom is is off working or something, and she's a realtor yeah. in her Volvo station wagon, and he's got nothing to do at home. And he but says, "Crank free talk live." Yeah, exactly. 
you know, uh, back in the FM days, we used to get some real quality cranks. I mean, people would call in with accents and they'd <laughs> pretend just to pretend to be all kinds of nut jobs, and it was awesome. I don't know if do you, uh-huh. can you call somebody who calls as a character a crank? I don't think that's the case. Uh, well, I don't know that they're. It it all seems to it all qual- um, falls into the same category to me. Not not Fake. real. Yeah, right, like they're yeah. not talking about something legitimate or not talking about something. Pertinent. I see what you where you're coming from on that. Just the worst. I mean, it's been the worst of the worst. Guys, call uh, call Rush Limbaugh. Try to get through on his show. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. And, yeah, you know, hey, it's true. We will really let anybody on the air. Anybody else's phone screener would have knocked him right out. Yeah. They would have knocked him right Beavis out. Beavis with a name like that? You bet. Uh, all right, Mark. You've got a TSA hell story for us, right? That I do. All right. Share it, please. Uh, from Adam, I'm listening to the March 12th episode, and I have a TSA story that I um, thought I would call a tragicomic. Last September, I was traveling with my family to Brisbane, Australia. At the airport, we uh, were informed that the half inch of juice remaining in my three-year-old's bottle was not allowed. Um, my wife protested, and one of the TSA... You somebody with that. Right, whatever you could do with it. And one of the TSA agents said that it, um, it could be taken so long as it went through the x-ray machine. Huh. I found this odd since the bottle was transparent and so was the juice. What exactly could the S- X-ray reveal that simply looking at the bottle could not? Hmm. Something they knew. They know that I um, that they don't. They know that I don't know about X-ray technology. After we got through, an agent pulled us aside because on the X-ray they saw Play-Doh in my three-year-old's bag. Two agents <laughs> argue for two minutes whether or not it was really allowed. A supervisor finally came over and ended the debate. No Play-Doh allowed, so they confiscated it. That was in Salt Lake City. We, we, had to go, we had to go through TSA again in Los Angeles to get to our uh, Qantas flight. But this time, nothing unusual happened. When we finally arrived in Brisbane, my older son told me that he brought some um, things in his carry-on luggage that he borrowed from Grandpa. Uh-oh. Two Leathermans and three pocket knives. <laughs> one, wow. One with a laser pointer built in. <laughs> a knife with a laser pointer? Hey, look, I'm just reading the email, man. Wow. I, I suspect if it's out there. It's got to be out there. That's got to be. A good thing that they got the Play-Doh and the juice, but missed the knives. Five of them. Twice. Because we could have used them to defend ourselves if necessary. But it would have been funnier if it wasn't so very, very sad. Wow. So, so this is, I mean, this is, he, the, the kid, the other kid um, snuck on five knives, <laughs> and they caught the Play-Doh. And, and they had to x-ray awesome. the juice. Awesome. Just, it's so silly. These are you feeling are the, safe yet, America? These <laughs> are the people that are protecting you. 75% of the time, the TSA misses knives, guns, Sounds like and they missed bombs. 100% of the knives in this case. Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is their own tests. Right. We do not need to pay for this bureaucratic nonsense. Heck no. This security theater. About a month not ago, worth the, it. the TSA had me remove something from one of my bags that I had in there for a year. Really? <laughs> yeah, You'd been flying, yeah, flying, back, and flying. Yeah. Then some, some genius it? caught it. I think it was a bottle of shampoo. Oh, it was, it was four one of those little travel things, and, and I had, it was tucked away, and I didn't know it was there. Yeah, but you should be allowed to have a little. Not if it's four ounces, four Mark. Ounces, no. No, if it's four point five ounces, you have to it's, get rid of it too. That's trouble. Yeah, three, three ounces. If it's over the, three, you're no. illegal. I just put it all in my my check bag and not worry about it. But I got puffed today, by the way. Really? Yeah. The, the, the little puffer where that's sniffing for bombs and stuff. Yeah, I held thing? my breath the whole time. Why? You got a bomb in your mouth? No, I just, I don't know. I just, there you all go, that, that's what you that, do. I hear all that air going. Close your eyes. Yeah. Well, that too, but I just held my breath until the door opened. 
1-800-259-9231 allows you to take control of the airwaves. Coming up, a little bit about uh, relationships and text messaging. Uh, but first, one of the most bizarre, strange stories that I've read recently. And it's just strange in that it doesn't just, it just doesn't make much sense. And see if you, maybe you guys can figure this out a little bit better than, than I could. Toronto, Reuters reporting. And the, the headline, of course, is naturally going to pull in uh, a lot of people. Schoolgirls bullied into stripping online. Bullies are no longer con- uh, content to taunt their victims in the playgrounds, but are turning to cyberspace, according to Canadian researchers. They're using email, text messaging, and social networking sites in new forms of victimization. Now, we've talked recently about this so-called cyberbullying, and it seems a little bit silly to me. It seems a little bit uh, laughable. Yeah. Um, if you're getting threats or you're getting mean messages from people, you just ignore them or be careful about who you give your phone number out to. But in this case, it's a little different. In this case, the claim is that the so-called cyberbullies are forcing their girlfriends to undress in front of webcams and then sharing the images with others online. Now, how on, how on earth could this possibly be happening? Well, mm. nobody's forced unless um, there's a threat of physical violence. Correct. I don't think that's the case. Here. Right. Like, if I say, Ian, could you take off your shirt for me, please? That's please, not please, forced. please take off your shirt for me. I won't like you anymore if you don't take off your shirt for me. Yeah. Like, not forced. That's not force. It's not coercion. Yeah, but it's so- just... But a lot of Begging. young girls would think, would be thinking, "Oh, I love him and he's cute." I don't okay. care. Not teach forced, your, though. Teach your young girl to be a little stronger than this. They're pressuring each other, says some expert, uh, Professor Faye Mishna from the University of Toronto, has been researching the so-called cyber abuse of children. She says they're pressuring each other. This is particularly true for girls to send pictures of themselves with their tops off. Girls might send it to their boyfriend, and she's pressured to do it, thinking he's just going to see it. (laughs) So she gives in, and the next thing you know, it's all over the place. Uh. The images are even more likely to be passed on if the couple breaks up, says Mishnah, who's headed a research team that held focus groups with 47... There's, there's a website called MyExGirlfriend.com or something like that. Yeah, MyPsychoExGirlfriend. Po- no, this, this oh. one's just like my There ex- is that. Yeah, there is the, that. The recordings are They're awesome. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> but you could put the uh, you could put your pictures, you know, your sort of nudie pictures that you've taken of your, you and your girlfriend or just your girlfriend on this uh, website. Yes, sir, there is, and certainly that's something that goes on. And ladies should know that this happens. If your boyfriend's wanting to take nudie pictures of you, guess what, sweetie? There's an internet out there, and mm-hmm. there's very well possi- a good possibility he's going to put them online for other people to see. Well, good possibility. And he's that's not, not going to blur your face either. It's, it's yeah. not just women. True. Good point. Uh, preliminary research or results from the research shows so-called computer geeks are becoming the new schoolyard bullies. Final results. This is so absurd. <laughs> Final results of the study, which will be completed in June, are expected to be published, uh, and we'll continue. There's a little bit more on this, and I want to know how you feel about this. Is it even possible that this could be called bullying? How can this possibly be called bullying? I mean, it's maybe, maybe manipulation, but they're voluntarily taking their tops off. They. It's their choice. 800-259-9231. It's not like they've got a gun to their head on this webcam. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Archives await. 
an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website for your download. Ooh, for your download and convenience, go and get them for free at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customers reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. Okay, so there's this article that I found today, and it's a Reuters article about what they're calling cyberbullying. And we've talked recently on the show about this concept of cyberbullying, the idea that meanies, uh, childhood meanies, are now moving into cyberspace and they're sending text messages and insulting people online. The story that we'd originally read was pretty serious about how a kid had killed himself because he'd been getting too many mean text messages, allegedly. Seems a little bit absurd, but apparently it really happened. And our point at that, uh, our analysis at that point was that, well, you know, be careful with um, giving out your phone number. Don't give out phone numbers to people you don't trust if you don't want to get text messages from mean kids. I mean, if you're young, if you're a young person or parents dealing with uh, their children having these these so-called problems. Just a little advice. But now it's changing, this definition of cyberbullying. According to this Reuters article, now there are people who are being called cyberbullies that I don't think are doing anything that has anything to do with insulting or bullying or anything like that. Um, The allegation is that there are computer geeks who... It says here, the preliminary results from new research show so-called computer geeks are becoming the new schoolyard bullies. Mm. And they're suggesting that girls are being pressured to take their tops off on their webcams, for instance. Well, girls have been pressured to take their tops off for uh, years. I don't understand why this new uh, this new round of girls somehow just can't do it. I don't know either. I can't and... keep my top on. It's mm. flying. It hits the ceiling every time so, I try Yeah, try see, to... when I was a kid, we had a thing called the $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they don't even require that, I guess. But uh, traditional bullying is a power differential, says the so-called expert. The power before could have been age, size, smartness, popularity, and ability. Now it's the perceived anonymous nature. What is... I, I, like, I'm, not, I'm having trouble understanding... Where this so-called expert is even coming from on this? Yeah. What is it about about being anonymous that gives someone power over another person? They could I, be watching me. Well, the you original suggestion was that it was the boyfriends of these girls that were getting them to take their their clothes off. In which case, there's no power differential there. It's just a you know the pathetic guy begging to get a a shot of his girlfriend's breasts on a, a the video camera or whatever. There's no power differential there. He's he's asking. She's not just, you know, the the boy doesn't just say something and the shirt pops off. She right. has to make the, the choice to yeah. remove her clothing. The, the expert says, we'd like to find out how anonymous it really is. The power now is you can put it all over the place, meaning the, the picture, uh, distribute the picture. But you don't give the person the power to do that until you give them the picture. Right. So the girl still has all the power as they've had for a long time, as far as if a guy really, really, really wants to see her breasts, then she's making the choice to reveal them. Uh, the focus groups There's also, negotiations in play at that point. The focus groups also revealed victims refuse to tell an adult about the abuse because they fear they'll be punished in order to be protected. 
Mishnah said they're scared that their parents will take away their computer privileges. Students also thought that it was pointless to tell parents about cyberbullies because they couldn't identify the culprits. Now, now they must be sort of shifting the definition here from the person who originally convinces the girl to remove her top mm-hmm. to the anonymous nature of the fact that, well, it could have been anybody who posted the picture online. Maybe that's what they're saying when they're addressing the anonymity factor, mm-hmm. because there's no way to prove as to whether or not it was actually the boyfriend or whoever it was that originally had been sent the photo. Though if the boyfriend was the one who originally was, was sent the photo, then he must have distributed it to whoever the person was that put it online for everyone to see. You know what I like here, though? That you don't have to be a football player anymore to get the chicks. Now you can be a geek. Apparently. Yeah. Students uh, also thought it was pointless to tell their parents uh, they say that friends are giving their passwords out to somebody who they think is a good friend, then they use it to bully someone else. Traditional bullying is still oh. continuing on school grounds, but the technology has enabled abuse to continue at home. So it, she must be suggesting that uh, somebody's giving out their password, and then another party is using the password and masquerading as the boyfriend in order to get the girl to take her clothes off but either way the girl still thinks it's her boyfriend talking to her and she's she's the one taking off her clothes so the issue isn't cyber bullying there's no bullying going on in this story at all the issue is girls revealing themselves on the internet that's what it is <laughs> you know that camera it it, it records it it's going to be out there for as long as anybody wants to hold on to it. Right. Do people not understand that? I, are, are there people? I could understand that maybe someone who doesn't know what the Internet is might not get it. But kids certainly know what the Internet is, and they certainly know what emails are, and they know how MySpace works, and they know they're not stupid. They know what these things are. So Yeah, and, and as much as we may try to keep them away from the X-rated and the R-rated uh, sites, they manage to see that there are girls stripping on cams yeah. out there, and they know that those girls have daddies and mommies, too. I mean, please. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Let's go to the phones. It's Mark in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind? How you doing? Hey, um, you're talking about cyberbullying. Isn't that exactly what you did to Beavis? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, you're bullying him. How's that? Because you made fun of him and said his mom should die. <laughs> Wait, no. I didn't say his mom should no, die. No, no, I said I hoped that a tree fell on her Volvo station wagon. Isn't that the same thing? No, we- she didn't have to be inside the wagon. <laughs> that's right. That'd be horrible. Yeah, we were kidding. It was... You know, that's what you inferred, though, and that's very disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks for the call. Anyway, uh, 800-259-9231. <laughs> Why are they making that funny noise at the end? I don't know. I'll bet, I his, mother, I'll bet his mother has a Volvo station wagon, too. <laughs> it's a club. Yeah, a club of dorks. 1-800-259... Oh, is that cyberbullying? Yes. Am I going to be brought up on charges now? <laughs> Back in the old days, people could actually make funny things. They could actually uh, call with with amusing, entertaining things on the radio. Uh, 800-259-9231 if you'd like to give it a try. All right, so there you go. Cyberbullying, stripping online. Kids, get a clue, all right? And parents need to get a clue as well on this whole situation. Now, there's other news about uh, online sort of relationships in this day and age, and apparently the young folks in America are using the text messaging. Now, if you're a parent, you probably know about this. Uh, you know that your kids are always tapping away on their cell phones or their little hip-top devices, uh, whatever they have out there. I'm personally not a fan of this text messaging phenomenon at all. I think it's annoying. 
Uh, I don't get them, and if someone sends me one, I get irritated because it costs me money. It costs I know, me a they're dime. They're expensive. <laughs> yeah, That's the well, whole point. I, I like them because uh, you can transfer information without having to go listen to a voicemail. That I just irks the crap out of me to have to listen to voicemails. And um, you know, if, if something. Why do you ha- ha- why do you say on your voicemail message? for people to leave you voicemails when you don't actually listen to them. Because I, I run a business, and, you know, I need... Uh, Do you listen to other people's voicemails look, and just ignore mine? Is if, that how it works? No, I, I ignore More on the everybody. way, this is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything if you call in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there, including the bulletin board system. There are over 200,000 posts awaiting, uh, awaiting you, as well as over 1,500 people interacting. Serious stuff and fun times. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move, as well as hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. So register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. We'll continue talking about text messaging here in a moment, but first to the phones and to uh, what might be fun. Let's talk to Bill in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Bill. Hi, hi Ian. Uh just calling to uh, chime in a, a thought that maybe didn't cross uh, the panel's mind. Uh, cyberbullying is uh, incredibly easy with technology. Uh, it's not even having to have the girl's consent to take her top off uh, that comes into issue. If she's using a computer that her parents, if it's a shared computer, for instance, parents use it, siblings use it, whatnot, mm-hmm. they can contract malware, spyware, viruses, Trojans. Uh, remote access Trojans are the most uh, wicked because it allows somebody from the outside to take a screenshot of whatever this, uh, the webcam is presenting at the time. Okay, so sure. So if she's in if she's in the bedroom getting undressed for for bed or what, or getting ready for school or whatnot, and somebody decides they want to sneak in and probe around, they could take that screenshot and hold it over their heads from now on. I see where you're coming from. That's a stretch, though. I mean, that's going to require some serious planning, right? I mean, you'd have to actually get the Trojan, the back door. You'd have to get that installed on their computer through whatever means. Um, so you'd have to probably package it with some software that you knew that person was going to install or just go in there yourself if you had access to the room and physically install it. I mean, it's possible. It's something that you could do, but it's not what they were talking about in this article. That's that's some that's some that takes some technical know-how. And I'll t- I I can't imagine what somebody would be looking on at on the internet that they would feel that they had to uh, take their top off um, in front of the world in order to protect. Well, so what I'm saying is, you know, the computer can be left on for whatever for whatever reason. They don't even know that they're being that the camera's actually in operation at this point. Right. They're just ha- harmlessly changing clothes, doing whatever. Right. He's saying if, the, if it's in her room. Right. Right. Yeah, I understand some girls surf the net naked anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah if you go yeah. to certain sites, yeah, you're going to see there's there's hundreds of them, and they think for some reason it's going to get their boyfriend's attention or the male attention they didn't get uh, growing up or whatever the psychological. Oh, that's definitely up. definitely why it, oh, that's why a lot of these girls are taking off their clothes because sure. they want the attention, they want their boyfriends to be happy, and they don't well, like the smoke in the strip clubs. <laughs> 
Um, but but, but the, what you're talking about is a pretty intense uh, way of actually getting your hands on these photos. And it wasn't what the article was addressing uh, either. The article was just sort of addressing that, you know, boyfriends are somehow twisting the arms of these young girls into taking their clothes off when, in fact, they're doing it for their own reasons, whatever those might be, whether, whether it's attention or uh, they just don't get enough um, uh, attention from their parents or whatever the issue is. Usually these girls have very, very low self-esteem and they think that they can make their boyfriends happy by doing this. But I see where you're coming from, and it is a legitimate point and something that is a real possibility that people should look out for. Any other thoughts for us, Bill? Uh, no, it's a great show, and uh, you should be uh, getting a contribution headed your way from Oklahoma very shortly. Thank you, sir. We appreciate the call. 800-259-9231 to Steve in Boston. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Why, hello there. What's up, Steve? What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to talk about those crank callers. You've been getting a lot lately. Yeah, all of a sudden they started on Saturday night, and uh, it seems like it's a group of people that sort of hang out together on the Internet and uh, and have found a, a nice little easy target for them to call with their silly little calls. Yeah, sounds very vestibule, but um, vestibule. I'm, just, I'm just trying Isn't to say Isn't a vestibule that, um, a lobby from a hotel? What? I thought they were in churches. I thought they had vestibules in churches. I don't, too. I don't know what you're talking about. But, I don't um, know either, Steve. Right. Why I, 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 I think that just shows about. that you guys are getting a lot more popular. Nah, well, maybe. It's, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, it's certainly a way to look on the bright side. Of course, if we were more popular, then we'd have more legitimate calls as well. And so far, uh, well, now, after these two calls, we've got, we got a good 33% of our callers tonight that have been cranks. So, yeah. yes and yeah. no. I mean, if we were more popular, we'd also have more regular calls on the line, which during our weeknight shows, well, it hasn't been that way. Yeah, definitely. There you uh, go, Steve. Anything even, else on even, your mind? Yeah, um, even the people who aren't cranking, they sound like they're cranking. Like Don from Saturday Night. Oh, Don wasn't a crank at all. He's for I, real. I, yeah, I just can't believe that. He was a real real Korean War veteran for sure. There was no doubt in my mind about that one. You can tell the cranks. Most of the cranks, are, when they're bad cranks, you can tell because they sort of have that that laughy sound in their voice when they're calling yeah. up because their friends usually what's what's going on is their friends are listening and they, they can't know hold their it all friends, together either right they know their friends are listening and so they start giggling and they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely that's yeah, bad stuff steve yeah. thanks for the call we appreciate it man 800-259-9231 i expected him to yell snarf at the end or something somebody should go uh somebody should go into our archives so one of our amplifiers should dig around through the classic archives yeah. and actually find an example of a good crank oh, call man, there's some good ones because we've had them in the past. 800-259-9231. All right, text messaging. Kids are obsessed with it today, right? Mm-hmm. And it's annoying because they use the little short uh, U, the letter U instead of the word U. And it's just, I know, you got it takes longer to write words on text, so that's why they do that. Well, the, their Still. phones, they have to type in, just to get right. one letter, you have to, type, you have to push a button four times. And but they have all these abbreviations. Right. And if you don't know what they are, then you're in the dark. Yeah. Uh, so the title of this uh, this article here from Life in Style in Australia, the Sydney Morning Herald, is C-D-T-X-T-B-Killing-U-R Relationship. I think C-D is short for could. Could text be killing your relationship. Girls, if you want your man to stay interested, stop sending text messages, says the Sydney Morning Herald. SMS could be sabotaging your chance of finding love. While world leaders talk about the perils of global warming, single women are bemoaning a, thought, a drought of a different kind. And it seems that the era of instant communication isn't doing us any favors. That's the message to come out of a recent dating workshop held in Sydney to coincide with the publication of the latest book on finding and keeping a man. 
relationships advice columnist, doctor. If women are having any trouble finding men, it's their fault and nothing else. Sorry. That's what they're saying here, that it's their fault. Uh, columnist Dr. Cindy Pan and radio personality Bianca Dye drew their own experiences to write their guide to love and the modern girl and how to play hard to get, how to catch and keep Mr. Right, not Mr. Right now. Dye says the nature of instant communication has created a whole host of problems, one of them being chronic insecurity. Dye says, I knew I didn't have to text him straight away after a date, but what did I do? Texted him. Then I would stress, does he like me and or the not? the tense of text is a noun. And the, the, ten, the tense of uh, text being turned into a verb is just, it, it's strange. So you texted somebody? Well, that's not actually in I'm the texting? article. It's text him. They said text him. Right, Mark, but, you're but it's old, strange. You're an old fogey. I'm just saying, <laughs> what, it, what do you do with this? <laughs> she says, then I would stress, does he like me or not? He'd send me a text message and I wouldn't hear from him in three days. He must be seeing someone else. As it turned out, he'd be busy at work, buying his groceries, or innocently working out at the gym. The immediacy of SMS and email can also make us look... How can somebody be too busy to send a text? Well, I don't know. You know, I I don't know. Maybe they don't want to feel... Maybe the guys don't want to uh, seem like they're falling all over the girls. And that's what the issue is here, that they're pointing out that these text messages make it um, too easy for the girls to sort of fawn all over their new guy, and that sort of scares them off. The immediate, the immediacy of SMS and email can make us look overtly keen or overly keen, a guaranteed turnoff for mm-hmm. blokes, they say. That's right. Remember that, Mark, if you ever become an international playboy. Yeah, that's right. The chances of that are looking pretty slim these days. <laughs> for example, a guy sends you a text message suggesting a movie. Within four seconds, you've replied, yes, when, where, what time, and when can I see you again? Mm-hmm. First, uh, worst of all, can turn us into desperados, they say. Is a desperado somebody who's desperate? I think so. I guess. Die cites the case of a woman who texted her boyfriend, and there it is, texted, used there, uh, and didn't receive a reply for a day. Quote, by the evening, she had convinced herself that that he was having an affair, the relationship was over, and she was a single girl again. Is, is, that's so strange. Oh, boy. So is the past participle of um, text, have, have texted? That's all he's got on this, is the, uh, the grammar <laughs> so of text. Let's talk about the issue of relationships and texting and how it factors in today. 800-259-9231 and how women might want to reconsider um, how quickly they text people. That's what the issue is here. Uh, ladies, what do you think? 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want, even in these remaining moments at 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net toll free line. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by shopping with us in two places. There's our store, where we sell Free Talk Live t-shirts and Hats and other merchandise. Uh, we give away free bumper stickers, by the way. You get all the details on that at store.freetalklive.com. And you will find, if you talk to some of our other listeners that have purchased the clothing and uh, the hats and that sort of thing, they're really satisfied with their purchases. Uh, they're really high-quality merchandise. I think you're going to like it. Store.freetalklive.com. Also, you can buy virtually anything else you might need to purchase in life at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. They've got virtually anything you might be able to think of. 40 categories of products, always adding new stuff, everything from high-dollar electronics to uh, books. 
There's DVDs, office products, clothing, uh, baby stuff, even their brand-new grocery section, uh, new, their brand-new Amazon Unbox as well, where you can rent videos and have them stream directly to your computer. Uh, this is all available at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and when you shop through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So it's a great way to get the stuff you need for life and help Free Talk Live at the same time. Really, you can't beat it. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Texting. What's it doing to relationships these days? Uh, you know, back in the old days, you had to call a girl before you were able to set up a date and that sort of thing. And communications were a little bit slower when you had to pick up a phone and dial some numbers. And then, of course, cell phones got into people's hands, and then you could reach somebody wherever they were. It used to be that you had to wait till they got home to check their messages. I wonder how you do deep breathing when you text. Oh, you mean like for, for phone sex? Yeah, the calls, you know. The deep breathing calls. Yeah, I don't think it would work so well. No, you have uh, you have to have some bunch of long layers like. But things have changed. Certainly have in relationships, and now according to the the Australian Sydney Morning Herald, they're suggesting that maybe women are getting a little bit too desperate with the text messaging because they have that immediacy of being able to get a hold of or at least send a message to their boyfriends or their uh, the the parties that they're interested in becoming into a be, uh, being in a relationship with maybe they're being a little bit too Johnny on the spot by by sending too many messages too often maybe fawning a little bit uh, too much on these guys and i'm sure it works both ways this article is written from the perspective of a woman written for women but i'm sure it works the other way with guys sending way too many messages to the girls they're interested in didn't you ever have a girl like call you six times in a day no, nah, I was never really under that high demand. <laughs> I haven't had them call six times in a day, but uh, you know, you can tell when um, they're more interested than you are, and sometimes that's not really convenient. That's what they're saying here is that's a turnoff uh, for these guys. And Dice, uh, the expert here, cites a case of a woman who texted her boyfriend, didn't receive a reply for an entire day. Uh, by the evening, she'd convinced herself he was having an affair, the relationship was over, and that she was a single girl again, she says. When he finally called the next day, he couldn't understand all the drama. Uh, the drama. His only problem was a flat phone battery. Hmm. Another woman checked her phone 300 times after messaging a love interest to see if he was free for a drink. 300 times. I'd qualify that as an obsession. Four mm. hours later, she received a reply, but in the 240 minutes that had passed, she turned herself into a nervous wreck, checking her phone just in case she missed the call. I wonder what that cost him. We also risk reading... Well, she checked her phone. I don't think it cost you anything to keep checking. Like, she just kept looking. Kept looking to see if the text would come in. Uh, we also risk reading all sorts of things into a simple text or an email, says Di. Quote, I would ring my friends asking for their help in reading between the line of a text message or an email that I received from a potential date. See, here's the thing, though. It's so difficult to type on one of these um, things, you know, the, these little phones, that you don't say everything, and you try to get as as much put across in as few words as possible, and therefore um, you have a tendency to be misunderstood. Right. Then the girl on the other end is saying, what does he mean? And they, they and, might and, take it as an insult. And that's, or? The, that's the reason I, you know, you shouldn't be texting. Look, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, a real conversation, mm. you should be talking on the telephone. Why are they texting? Are they hiding you from their wife or girlfriend? I mean, what mm. what, what is the whole texting thing? Look, texting's for getting short messages to people when you don't have a lot of time and you can't be disturbed by a phone call or something like that. It's yeah. not for conversation. I thought that's what email was for. 
Well, now, there the are people same problems do, with email. They do the same thing, though. I mean, the people with their Blackberries, they get sort of attached to it, and they are they use it as like a, a part of their body almost. They can't get, they can't get away from it. So what's the advice from professionals? Well, go back to the basics. Rely on your natural instinct and charm. Don't give too much of yourself away, and in extreme cases, throw your phone in the bin. The old adage of keep them keen, treat them mean has changed with the times, said the doctor, but the principle remains. She says it's not that old-fashioned idea, acting aloof, being an ice princess or a diva, because that's actually hard work. It's about being hard to get, having some self-respect, and not giving everything away at once. She says women need to value themselves and command respect from others. They need to back away. They need to trust themselves, trust their attractiveness, and maintain a certain amount of reserve. Don't chase. Di says her worst mistake was saying those three words, I love you, via text message. That's a little weird. Oh, boy. Can you imagine getting that for the first time via text message? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's how it comes across. Wait, I'm across. laughing at Wayne. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, like he's making, making a psycho stabbing movement <laughs> in here. Has that feel to it. I love you. She says, I waited and waited and put myself... If I can't have you, no one will. She says, I put myself under so much stress, it was ridiculous. I expected a response immediately when he didn't respond in that instant. I was sure he didn't care about me. Right. You see, now that's the th- that's the other thing is you don't know what's going on on that other side of the phone. You don't right. have any interaction with the person. Um, it's, it's but they so much- expect that that person is going to get that message and immediately jump to their phone and send back a reply. Right. Their, their phone may not be working properly. They may be using the bathroom. They may have left it somewhere. You don't know what's going on. And, you know, I just I just don't trust that whole texting, IMing, emailing thing when you're talking about relationships. It's so easy for somebody to be fake and, and not real. Yeah. And, you know, if they're telling lies and they're trying to hide something from you, sweetheart, it's a lot easier to use texts and IMs and emails. He's going to, like, get my text and, like, he's going to be all, like, happy and, and he's going to make all my dreams come true. Dr. Pan says Di would have been better saying it in person and saying it genuinely and not expecting an answer. In this high-tech, gadget-obsessed world where we have information at our fingertips, dating is one more area where we need to step back. So turn off your mobile phone, stop logging onto your computer at midnight and checking emails, go for a walk, write a love letter, and keep smiling. They say it may pay to take a lesson from Jane Austen's era when sweet love letters were the way of, uh, were the way of communication no, I think and relationships I, took time to develop. I, I, I disagree with that. I think that a letter um, and an email um, should occupy the same space. But if you're um, corresponding even by via letter, what what is wrong with your relationship? Yeah, that's you know, a good and, point. unless you're dating a convict, you should not be respo- <laughs> you should not be corresponding via letter. And if you are dating a convict, you so know, there's a middle ground. That that, too. So you're saying there's a middle ground. You've got the old tech of writing a letter, which is going to take a while, and then you've got the new tech of these text messages. You're saying sort of meet in the middle somewhere with the occasional phone call. Don't call 50 times a day. You know, don't well, jump. If you down don't know the, that one, right? Don't jump. But that's what this is about. This is the new version of calling 50 times in a day. It's sending a text message and expecting that other person is going to be as excited as you are and sending sending a text message back. Let's go to James in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, James. Hey, what's going on? What's on your mind? Uh, what's on your mind? I'm just this kidding. is Free Talk uh, Live, sir. Uh, hey, I know. Uh, about text messaging? You yeah. You're on the radio. Uh, text messaging. All right. Text me- I know. Uh, sorry. Uh, text messaging. What do you guys trust more? Text messaging or like instant message, email, phone? What is there to trust? What do we trust? I don't understand. So what do you guys like? What do you like... Do you feel comfortable sending a text message to someone like, like, 
I've had the issue of sending a text message to someone, and someone else reads the text message, and then I feel embarrassed. You hmm. ever had that problem? Um, yeah, I don't send text messages, so I really can't necessarily comment. Mark, you I'm do. A little, I, I would be more uh, concerned about emails because they're, um, you, they can be longer, more heartfelt. You can get uh, yeah. better explanations. In like, it. Even, like, well, yeah, continue. Yeah, even the best um, text messaging device, which is like a BlackBerry or a Trio, it's difficult to type on because you're typing with your thumbs. So um, it's not so not much fun to type. Hard. And the, the, they can only be 180 characters long or 160 yeah, characters yeah. long. Yeah. And it costs money sometimes if you're... It depends on what your plan is. So you're saying that, uh, so you're concerned that somebody might get their hands on a text message that you've sent, misinterpret it? Well, I mean, like text message and email, same thing. And um, I don't don't know. I I was just asking your opinion. Yep, Um, don't send anything you don't want, uh, you know, you you don't have an expectation that other people will read. Yeah, if you want privacy, I I don't think there's, uh, there are encrypted text messages. I don't think we've come that far quite yet. Who knows, that might be down the road. Thanks for the call, James. 800-259-9231. If you're looking for privacy... You know, the best way to do it is to meet somebody in person and talk to them personally, quietly, in a secluded location. Otherwise, there's a chance your phone call could be intercepted. Just there's a chance your text where, messages where could be intercepted. Where is anti-bugging yeah. device? Yeah, just don't do it in, in Britain. Yeah, exactly right. All right, it's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We'll return tomorrow night online in the meantime. You can join us at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.